On episode 25 of the Violence Design Lab podcast, I'm talking about working with young fighters. Many violence designers find themselves working for high school or middle schools doing theatrical productions or teaching stage combat classes to theater programs that focus on younger performers. Or maybe the play you're designing has a child involved in the violence. I mean, how many of us haven't killed at least one of Lady Macduff's kids, am I right? So let's talk about some challenges and strategies for working with the younger set. Out swords and to work with all. Welcome to the Violence Design Lab podcast. Now here's the mad scientist himself, David Barefoot. Greetings, David here. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just joining the podcast, this show is dedicated to the art and craft of theatrical violence design. I've been staging fights and violence for professional theater for 25 years now or more, and I want to use that experience to give back to our craft and to train the next generation to make it even better. You can think of me as your personal violence design coach. I'm here to encourage you to enter the world of stage combat, to coach you towards choreographing better fights, and to train you to tackle the challenges of theatrical violence design. Now, if you're a long-time or regular listener of the show, I want to encourage you to contact me because I want to know your suggestions for future topics. You can email me at uh, violencedesignlab at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on one of the podcast show pages. You can go to Violence Design Lab at Facebook and leave comments for me there. Anything that you want to know about. You may have questions about something I haven't covered. You may have an area of your work that you'd like to get a little bit of advice on or just suggestions on where to find some resources. Anything, let me know. Just to give you a a quick heads up and teaser for future episodes, we're going to be doing a a series on training actors. Everything from their physiology and, and how stage combat puts demands on our bodies all the way to certain bad habits that creep into the rehearsal process that can affect the uh, quality of your fights in performance. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about working with older fighters, so now it's only fair that I talk about the other end of the spectrum and discuss the specific challenges and strategies of working with young fighters. Well, first, of course, we have to define what I mean by young fighters. I'm really talking about actors from ages 8 to about 18, especially that 10 to 16 range. This comes up a lot. Again, you might be choreographing for a high school or a middle school or doing a stage combat program or workshop or series of classes for some kind of performing arts agency that works uh, with younger performers. Or you might just have children in the show that are involved in the violence. Well, there are specific challenges that come up with this set of people. First of all is physical development. There is just a huge range of physical development that happens during this period in our lives. Uh, You look at someone who is 9 or 10 and compare them 7 or 8 years later, and they're different people, literally. One of the big reasons, uh, the big differences, obviously, is size. This affects the violence designer because weapons are bigger when you are smaller. Yeah, it's a weird concept that we don't think about much, but that 36-inch or 42-inch rapier is much larger for an 11-year-old child than it is to a fully-grown adult or even a that six-foot-tall teenager. 
So it is more difficult for smaller performers to manipulate the standard weapons that we use. Another issue that comes up a lot with this set is coordination, physical coordination of their bodies. You get such a vast range of skill in this area. Some kids, they've grown up doing sports, they throw balls, they run around, climb trees, and they're pretty physically coordinated. When you tell them to do a specific move, they can replicate it fairly readily. Others just are still trying to figure out how their body works. They've gotten tall really fast, and they don't really understand how their limbs kind of attach to their body, it seems like, sometimes. Or they just don't move and bend and st- and, and stretch like you think they should be able to. There's uh, often a big problem with isolating body parts. For example, a head-hit reaction. Sometimes their heads and necks don't seem to move independently of their chest. They'll throw their entire torso to the side rather than just snap their head in a head reaction. So coordination is a big challenge you have to work with. Strength can be an issue. People in this age are often weak, although that is not always true, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but especially their wrists and arms tend to be weaker than those of adults. More importantly, they don't know how to harness good structure and ergonomics to generate power. When you're a kid, there's very few things that you are called upon to do that requires the full engagement of all your strength as powerfully as possible. It just doesn't come up that much. And so many kids have never had to do that, or they don't believe they're allowed, quote-unquote, to do that, and so they tend to come across as very weak. Now, you will be surprised by a couple of them. I've run into some 17-year-old football players that will happily move me across the uh, the field like a like a tackling sled. So there's a big range of strength. The last thing that I find challenging physically with this young set is making adjustments. Sometimes they may literally not be able to tell the difference between what you're showing them and what you're doing. They haven't had the practice looking at something, modeling it in their own bodies, and replicating it. And they will believe they're copying you exactly when really what they're doing is nothing close to the technique that you are demonstrating. The second main challenge area that I find is focus and attention span. Now, people in general do have a problem with attention span. We get bored, it's true. But kids have a larger problem with this, even if they have no clinical issues that would limit their attention. Drills and repetition can become frustrating or boring, and they don't feel that they need to practice that same move 50 times to get it into their bodies. They think two or three is fine, and then they tend to add speed too quickly because they want to see what it will look like when we're going fast for performance. So they may even add extra choreography, like like falling down after a hit because they think it's more dramatic. So this to me is based on their focus and attention span because they tend to tire of doing the same move or the same sequence over and over and they try to spice it up a little bit. Another challenge with young performers is emotional comfort level. Often these kids 
will smile when they're being aggressive, uh, when you tell them to intimidate somebody or to, to act like the aggression of the fight, they'll smile or laugh. I think it's kind of a release valve for the feelings of guilt or wrongness of the behavior. They're often self-conscious about loud vocals. There are some kids I've worked with, and this is often more true of girls, but it is certainly boys have the same issue, that it is pulling teeth to get any sound out of their mouths when they're making a strike or taking a hit reaction. Often, too, they can be uncomfortable working with partners of the opposite gender. And in case this wasn't clear, I'm not talking about things that would be somehow sexual or flirtatious or in any way touching inappropriately. I mean, simply partnering with someone that is not their same gender. Many uh, kids of a certain age are less comfortable with that than working with someone of their same gender. They may be uncomfortable with body contact with anybody. Uh, They're told in school, keep your hands to yourself. And this is like drilled into their heads. And so the idea of laying hands on someone to to uh, pull their arm or to get them in a headlock or or do these kinds of things might make them uncomfortable. Part of the things that we as violence designers also have to deal with, unfortunately, is statistically speaking, some of our young performers may have had direct life experience with violence, including abuse. It does come up. Now, when that does, you may find that certain things are big triggers for them. And you may not know why this is, so you'll need to be sensitive in that area. Again, all of these areas I'm talking about have exceptions. These are general, broad strokes that I've noticed across the country in kids that I've worked with. But I've also worked with kids who have absolutely no problem being aggressive and mean and tapping into that because their life experiences or were very different than mine growing up and were different than some of the uh, sort of vanilla suburban kids that I've worked with sometimes. So your results may vary. You have to really see what kind of crowd you have. The fourth uh, challenge I find dealing with uh, young performers is they have limited life experience. For example, they may not know what it feels like to actually hit something. They may have never thrown a punch that's supposed to deliver power into the target. I often use focus mitts or uh, punching bags or other things to give them this sensation. But sometimes, even what I think are the most simple things or the most basic experiences, they haven't had. Recently, I was working with a performer who was supposed to be blinded by a torch suddenly thrust into his face. Not caught on fire, just blinded by the light um, of the torch. The young performer, who was 14, I believe, said he had never experienced a light, bright light, blinding him in his eyes. Never a flashlight in his eyes at night, or a light being turned on from a darkened room where he was asleep, or anything. Now, as much as that strains my credulity to believe that, the kid seemed honest, and he couldn't recall a time when this happened. And it was very difficult then to have him call on that experience of being blinded to try to replicate it on stage. So sometimes you'll come up against these things that are just second nature to you, and kids will have never experienced that before. They also may not know how to replicate common fight tactics like intimidation or aggression. 
they may only be able to pull like from what they've seen in cartoons or movie-style fighting. The same is true of hit reactions. Hopefully, most of the young performers that you uh, deal with have not been punched in the face very much, so they don't know what that's like. Older adults, often we've taken a shot, either accidentally something has hit us in the face or we have been punched at some time in our life and we can kind of call up those life experiences but your young performers have limited life experience so sometimes you have to coach them through what something is going to be like so the main strategies for teaching and working with young fighters well the first is patience it can be frustrating You have to be patient, you have to be supportive and encouraging, and just work with them in every kind of way you can think of until they get it. The first strategy for them is controlling their speed. Kids, like the rest of us, my hand is up here too, we want to fight fast. But they tend to go too fast when they're learning, and not fast enough for performance speed. They gravitate to a comfortable speed which is too fast to learn, or at least to to get their technique precise, but it's too slow for performance speeds. So we get a very cautious, choreographed-looking fight at performance speed. Again, this is why I tell kids, focus speed. Next is working on hit reactions. As I said before, they tend to be stiff and non-isolated. They also underplay hit reactions. And so you have to work with them on specificity. They will tend to be way too general. That face hit will move their head, neck, shoulders, and torso all at once. And they'll kind of bend over. And when all you wanted was a simple head snap. So you have to really focus on hit reactions to tell the story. Also, you have to teach good falling techniques. Kids will hurl themselves at the ground if you let them. They're trying to make you happy, and they will just throw themselves at the ground, banging themselves up in the process, sometimes sucking up the bruises without even really letting you know because they want to do it right and make it look good. Make sure you teach them good falling technique and keep a sharp eye out for hands going to the ground to stop the impact or knees or elbows or heads hitting the ground because they can hurt themselves. Emphasize proper distance is another strategy that really comes up. Kids tend to fight way too close when they're fighting with weapons and way too far away when they are fighting with their fists. They often stand at a place where their fists have no chance of hitting each other, which means that the illusion is kind of broken because they're a foot farther away than their arms can possibly reach. Yet, for some reason, put swords in their hands and they're hilt to hilt. I I don't understand it, but I see it happening all the time. You have to emphasize distance and keep them working on it and start training their eyes to, to see what proper distance is. Lastly, for uh, teaching and working with young fighters in general, I think we have to stress facial reactions. Kids do tend to smile uh, when they're being aggressive or show nothing on their faces at all. They will fight with a blank face because I think they're concentrating so hard that they're not acting the emotions of the fight. Maybe they're unfamiliar with those emotions, as I said in the limited life experience uh, uh, topic that I was talking about. So work on creating a game face with them. I think this really helps. 
Now, when you are designing violence for young fighters, there are some other challenges you face beyond simply the task of training them to do stage combat correctly. First of all, if you're designing a fight with young fighters, you have to differentiate are they fighting as children or adults? In other words, are these kids on a schoolyard in a schoolyard brawl, say you're doing newsies, or like I'm doing right now, are they doing a Shakespeare camp and it's Macbeth and Macduff who are obviously adults? Even though your performers are 13, they are still supposed to be adults. Well, you have to separate the fighting styles for that. Kids, of course, as kids, fight very differently than adults. They're not usually fighting to kill, hopefully, and their weapons that they grab are usually improvised. Most kids, even in a medieval uh, play, don't pick up swords and swing at each other. Kids in shows do not tend to be martially trained. You might get that child character who might have had a taekwondo class, but typically we are not dealing with characters, child or youth characters, who have had a lot of fight training, especially sword training. So they need to look as if they are improvising it and trying to win the fight through sheer aggression. Now, of course, it takes stage combat training to look like you're fighting untrained and do it safely and tell the right story. But most child or youth characters will not have had a background of martial training, and so they are supposed to look, quote-unquote, untrained. So keep that in mind. The next major consideration that comes up when I'm designing a show that includes young fighters is who is the audience of the show? Uh, Often families come to shows that have a majority or a lot of young performers, parents, of course, grandparents, and younger siblings. So these shows can often include young audiences, friends or classmates of the performers, other uh, kids that are in the program, or younger siblings, etc. This means that graphic violence may be upsetting or even inappropriate, depending on on your audience and the venue. You may want to think twice about putting in those those graphic blood effects and, uh, you know, ripping out throats and that kind of thing. Next, choose appropriate weapons for your fighters. You can sometimes choose smaller weapons. I don't know, maybe use a small sword with an epee blade rather than a full-size rapier. Even if, historically, they would have had a 42-inch rapier, sometimes that's just too much for the kids to handle. So give them weapons that are sized down to them. One show we did, we did a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, and uh, we had fourth graders playing King Arthur and, and Lancelot and, and, and the Knights of the Round Table. So Rick Gilbert and I contacted a, uh, a blacksmith that we knew and said, hey, what we need are long swords, but they need to be about 30% smaller in every specification, every dimension. And so the guy did. He made us some long swords that were light. They were only about two pounds, two and a half pounds, and they were small. They were great little arming swords for adult actors, but they were full long swords sized appropriately to fourth graders. It was great. So sometimes you have that ability. I do find that single-hand weapons like axes or uh, something like that are also uh, better for youth performers. Another thing about weapons for this age, 
I am a big fan of using steel weapons in shows. I like it. They sound better. They hold up very well. They look right. However, there are some venues that have problems with this. I've had even high schools that have threatened to stop a production because they see a steel knife in the prop on the prop table. Now, that steel knife is not sharp. And ironically, they might look right past that wooden club that is an actual weapon that could bash a skull in, but they sometimes get weird about the steel knife. There are polypropylene uh, training weapons for knives and axes and swords that are available. You can They usually come like black. Uh, you can paint them. Uh, the paint holds up for a while. You have to keep retouching it up if it's a long show. And yes, they don't look as good. They sound... Well, they sound like crap. They clack. On the other hand, uh, that school that you're performing in will not freak out and and threaten to stop the show because they see a nylon sword or whatever. So so do think about using appropriate weapons. Not saying you can't use steel. I use steel all the time with kids. But you may want to, depending on the age and the venue, think about other weapons that might be more appropriate to what you're doing. One of the uh, the last things when you're doing the choreography, keep it simple. Uh, it is better, I think, to have a few great moves than a bunch of eh, so-so moves that the kids can't really sell. That means your climactic Tybalt-Mercutio fight might be five moves long, where you'd have 25 if you had adult performers that had some stage combat training, but you have to scale it back. Remember... The point of violence for the theater is to tell the story of what happened. It is not to show off your cool moves. If your performers can't handle a 15-move fight, do it in five or three. Hey, if, if Tybalt still dies at Mercutio's hand, we've told the right story. So keep that in mind. Keep it simple. So hard to do. The last thing that I really want to encourage you to do when you are designing for young fighters is instill good habits now. Hopefully, these kids will love stage combat and love theater and they'll continue on to a long career, which means you're passing these performers down to the next violence designer. Teach them to learn choreography slowly and build up speed when they're ready. Teach them to find the fight story, to figure out what these moves mean and how they affect the character and show what the character's goal is and emotional state and and all the rest. Also, teach them the, the benefit of rehearsal, rehearsal, rehearsal. Once they get their choreography, they work it and work it in that focus speed and work on getting it exact every time, looking at the details. That will really pay off later. And of course, assuming there is some kind of a performance or showcase or, or full production, teach them about fight call. It is often useful to do uh, a fight call, even uh, in the middle of rehearsals, to so start fight calls early. Don't wait till tech week. Uh, you might start fight calls the week before if you have time, just to get them into that habit. It's also good to start training up the next uh, generation of fight captains so they can begin to watch and, and uh, know about weapon care and how to run a fight call. Of course, 
you can't simply say, hey, you're a fight captain and walk away. It is a training and mentoring uh, task that you take on when you assign a young fight captain, but it's very worthwhile, and a lot of young performers really blossom into that role. I absolutely love working with young performers. There are times it tries your patience. There are times when you wish it was better than it ends up being. But when it rocks and they know it and it's safe, it is amazing to see the joy of theater that stage combat and theatrical violence can instill in a young performer. I've had people come up after a workshop or a couple of productions say, this is what I want to do. This is so much fun. And you see that they get it, and it's great. So I so don't be afraid of, uh, of working with young performers. Don't poo-poo, oh, I don't want to work in that high school because it isn't really artistic. This is where performers are made. This is where it starts. You can really affect the next generation of actors and fighters and violence designers by working with them young. So, hey, if you found this podcast useful, do please let others know about it. Share it on Facebook or head on over to iTunes or head back to iTunes and subscribe to the show and leave a review on the podcast page. I'd really appreciate it. Also, like I mentioned before, uh, if you contact me with any kind of uh, content suggestions or ideas you have for future episodes, let me know. Contact me, violencedesignlab at at gmail.com or a comment on the website, which is violencedesignlab.com. Uh, or on the Facebook page. And also, you can head on over to the Patreon page where you can show your support in a tangible way. It's patreon.com slash violencedesignlab. You can pledge either a few dollars a month or a one-time donation to keep the show going, and I really appreciate that. It helps defray the cost of the web host, and, uh, and it shows that you value the content you're getting week after week. Well, thanks in advance for your support. Until next week, keep the fights on stage, and peace in your life. David, out. Thanks for listening to the Violence Design Lab podcast. For more tips, tutorials, and downloadable resources, visit us at violencedesignlab.com. 